Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, welcome to Questions You Have, Answers I Give. I am Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And this is our Patreon Q&A, but it is episode 75, which is divisible by three. So it's also on the the normal feed for uh, everyone else to hear and maybe be tantalized to... uh, spend or support with $3 a month and uh, hear all our bonus content, which is, there is a fair bit of late. Today's episode, we're going to be doing questions um, pertaining to episode 232 of Steel Wars, the scoring The Rise of Skywalker, which um, the, the previous main episode, which is on all the feeds, where what I did, if you haven't heard it, is I'm watching The Rise of Skywalker um, by what I think the DVD or the Blu-ray chapters will be. like So just chunks of the film. And I'm reviewing them, giving them a score out of five independently to see what my... Apart from the parts I don't like in the film, how much do I like the parts... I love in the film. Um, so just another way to look at, uh, you know, rating a movie. Is it the best way to rate a movie? No, but it's been super fun to sort of review and go in depth on each sort of chapter. And it has been interesting that in, I'm doing it by act. And so we just did the first act, the first of three acts. And, I'm a four out of five at the moment. So it's looking pretty sweet. Although we've got some bumpy chapters to get through. So uh, I have a feeling there will be some low scores as well as some high. So it'll be interesting to see how it all um, works out. So we've got a bunch of questions about that episode that will prompt, I'm sure, even more Star Wars. That's what I liked about doing the chapter thing was it sort of, Gave, gave some topics to uh, blither about, uh, apart from, you know, the latest Star Wars news, all that stuff. So let's get into the questions from our very um, beloved patrons. Maria. OMG. I guess I'm stupid by looking at the title. I assume Steele would be talking about the music in the movie. I didn't notice the ribbon. I assumed Ray was feeling something in the force. I wasn't able to follow the scoring. Ahsoka was crying. Now, I'll go backwards here. And then maybe I'll go to the front. But I just want to clarify for everyone, um, Ahsoka is Maria's daughter. Because when I read that, when I was just opening the file, um, I wasn't able to follow the scoring. Ahsoka was crying. It's like, I didn't hear Ahsoka crying during that bit. Hmm. That's And then I'm like, ah, I'm too much in my Star Wars universe. Uh, Yeah, so the title title of the episode was the scoring The Rise of Skywalker. And I sort of did think that maybe people would, you know, think that I was trying to be a very, very, very poor man's David Collins. A poor man's uh, Eric Struthers trying to do a poor man's David Collins. Eric Struthers is very good about the music. And I I figure it's episode 75 of uh, this sub-podcast, so every 25 episodes we've got to mention Eric, right? 
I don't know. He's got all these rules about every 25 episodes. I don't know what's going on. Um, oh, I should actually point out, while we're talking Eric Struthers, if you're a patron, uh, he's looking for more people to do Struthers Wars episodes to um, where people talk about their, their favourite bits of, of, of this podcast and then their Star Wars fandom and tell stories, just a, another uh, way to generate Star Wars stories. But um, Eric is looking for people to do those with for the upcoming months. So uh, if you're keen and um, want to get on the pod, get in contact. Just, or maybe just comment uh, in the patron um, messages to this episode and I'll let Eric know when someone's um, talking about Struthers Wars. Um, yes, yeah, so anyway, scoring The Rise of Skywalker, I did think that maybe people would think it was um, about music, but it was so I couldn't think of a way to explain what I was doing. I could have wrote rating. But it's, I don't know, I feel like it's a score. It's a sports event. This is my sports. We've just had the the first third. It's Hockey has three thirds, doesn't it? Ice hockey? This is, this is the Stanley Cup of movie watching. Stanley Cup, I think, is ice hockey. I'm I'm going out on a limb here, you guys. Um, and Maria didn't notice the ribbon. So this was the scene where just before they're going to leave the resistance base and head off to Basana, uh, Ray's just looking into the forest, just just having a stare. But then when I was reviewing the chapters, I noticed um, that she's looking at a at, at the red ribbon it's it's like it it sort of pans down too quick but in the tree is that red ribbon from um the training montage so um i'm glad i and, and yeah so when i saw it when i was watching the chapters because that it always stood out to me how strange it was she was just staring into nothing i was like was there meant to be a force ghost there or something like what was What's up with those bushes? Is she just like still getting over seeing all this green after, you know, a couple years? But um, there's a ribbon. So there you go. I'm glad uh, Maria was with me in not seeing something. And I'm sorry you weren't able to um, do the scoring along with me because of Ahsoka crying. I, I definitely uh, hear where you're coming from. Hear where you're coming from, Maria. We're we're we're, um, we're teething at the moment, and whew, great times. Catherine Neen, our good buddy, says I didn't notice the red ribbon. Ding! Another point for me, or or that my um, podcast did. It took two hours and 15 minutes to um, at least point out a ribbon in Star Wars. So it was worthwhile for that, you guys. And she always heard ghouls. Okay, so this was when the Knights of Ren walked past those First Order Stormtroopers and one of them goes, Knights of Ren. And the other one guy goes, Moles, Moles, Cools, Fools, Cool." Goals. Ghouls. As a reply. Now, it does seem like it's ghouls. Which I feel like is the best of all the mishears. Like, I heard cool. That's what I thought it was. And then someone had me convinced it was goals. And that was terrible. Like, I thought cool was just like, oh, it's ugh, just a bit modern day. Um, but goals was terrible. 
like it was modern day that was going to date. So so ghouls is that's a classic word that the ghouls have been around for for eons from what I hear. Um, I think he should have said nothing. I, I think both of them shouldn't have said anything to each other and just look at each other because it just seems like they say it too close to them. Um, like they, yeah, it just happens too fast. And then Catherine also says, please tell me there's a spreadsheet and charts to graph your scoring and that you are also recording your pluses and minuses of each chapter so that we have both quantitative and qualitative data. Oh, those two, quantitative and qualitative, I I know I learnt that at school, but I'd have to Google. I'd have to hit Wikipedia to um, remember what those two meant. There is, there's a very... um, shoddily hacked into sketchbook that I, or notebook that uh, as I watch each chapter, I just jot down things that happen, things to talk about. And then I, I immediately write my score. And then the score alone has been put into an Excel sheet. So um, I'm just not like, I love stats and math and all that sort of stuff, but I'm, not organized enough to um, get these spreadsheets and charts going for you, Catherine. Um, although it would be interesting to see like a bar graph of each, like to see if it's a steady up and down of me liking and disliking things, or it does go from five to one to five to one. Uh, but thanks, Catherine. I hope you are well. And I'll just like these ones so I know I've answered them. Or heart, I love them. Catherine, I love that you didn't notice the red ribbon and that you always heard ghouls. Uh, Thomas Sutton says, this is a great idea. I'd love to hear you do one for each film. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it, but in a better format, an even more convoluted format, and maybe bringing guests each episode. So um, it would be a very big project because there is so many chapters. (laughs) I was thinking about doing them for each chapter and making that a show. But we'll, we'll see. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, Thomas continues, It has been confirmed by people in countries where the film is subtitled that the troopers are saying ghouls. Um, well, there you go. Um, what I want to say is when it's subtitled, and then you know you can you can subtitle it back to English, like just say like in Korea, it's like like it comes up with their version of what ghouls is. What um, is the English like? It's it's often the like a like a very sort of close to but sort of like interestingly or funnily worded like reimagination of that sentence. So um, I want I want to know what they're sending back to us. Um, goals. You mentioned that you thought the humour there didn't work, but that's because it's not supposed to be funny. I think the troopers are actually creeped out by these guys. But that sort of fits with my my re-edit, my fan edit of the scene where they don't say anything. They just look at each other. That's more creeped out to me um, than going, Knights of Ren, ghouls. Like, I don't know. 
And I, I guess my memory of it is quite Pepsi Max. <laughs> I feel like they're in a Pepsi Max advertisement. Natsuran! Ghouls! Slam it. Um, yeah, so... I... Yeah, I... Yeah, that that's interesting though. That like I sort of think the intent of that is to humor the audience, but you see it as it's adding weight to um, the legend of the Knights of Ren. So interesting that we read it um, totally different ways. It, it's funny the um, something that. I instantly pops into my head with seeing th- like something humorous or whatever, totally different ways is when Luke tosses the lightsaber in uh, the last Jedi. People read that. Like, even if both people think it's sort of meant to be a little bit humorous, they take it in, in totally different ways and the tone of the humor and the madness of the humor. Um, so yeah, comedy is subjective. You guys, King Tom Chansky chiming in from uh, from the our Page Wars podcast, where um, he tells me what happens in books and comics because I don't have time to read them. It's uh, it's super fun. I actually should give a plug. He's interviewed. If you're a King Tom fan, he's interviewed on Around the Galaxy, um, the the Star Wars interview podcast. So I had a great time listening to that yesterday while I worked away. So uh, check that out. But King Tom, coming through, validating me with this. I have seen it 12 times and I hadn't noticed the ribbon. I'm informing King Tom. I... This is, this is special, you guys. This is special. Rob Graves. Handsome Rob. Uh, great idea for the podcast, Steel. I find listening to this almost therapeutic because I feel I'm on a very similar wavelength with you with this film, although I may be slightly harsher. Some stuff I really didn't like, but other stuff I did. Overall, I found the film disappointing. It just didn't have the same impact on me as The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I also get quite annoyed by a lot of the choices that JJ made that were so obviously an attempt to pander to the lowest common denominator of the fandom. Like giving Rose the poochie dream. (laughs) Oh, Great reference. Like giving Rose the poochie treatment and writing her out in a really dumb way. Anyway, I don't like being negative about Star Wars. There's enough of that going around. So I choose to enjoy the things I like about the film and let the things I don't slide. Looking forward to the next episode and can't wait until you get to the Ray Palpatine reveal. <laughs> Oh, man. I might go full YouTube on that chapter. Um, all right, good. I like um, I like that I'm helping you, Rob. What I, I haven't heard much feedback from is people that love the film. I, I would like to... You know, if they're not so annoyed by my um, more critical uh, chapter reviews, what they what they think of that. Sometimes it's just like, oh, that, that sort of stuff doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Um, which I've got tons of stuff that, um, you know, people don't like. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't bother me. Um, it's fine. One of those things is not CGI clone troopers. So. Oh, my God. But yeah, I'm with you, Rob. I uh, also get a bit frustrated by the choices that JJ made that, that seem that I you know, perceive was sort of, it's like 
it's reacting to a checklist of complaints about the the, the previous or the previous film. Um, the other thing that is sort of you know, it's just frustrating is, is is my perception that like JJ sort of changes the sort of motivations and the arcs of, of characters sort of mid production of the film. And I guess that's as someone that doesn't make films, but wants to believe in them. Um, you know, I want to be immersed in the Star Wars story. It's 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 frustrating that it's not like a rock solid story. Um, you know, like scenes will change and lines and stuff, but just it's the story to him is is so malleable. Um, you know, take even like in the Force Awakens, you know, Maz Kanata was going to go to Resistance Base and uh, hand over the lightsaber to um, Leia and that so, and had like force powers. There's the deleted scene of her, um, you know, making the rocks tumble on the uh, First Order Stormtroopers. Um, so, like, yeah, it, it's just... And, and like, that's what I mean. Like, it's part of filmmaking, I'm sure. But as a fan that, you know, wants to believe that these stories are are sort of, when they come to the creator, they're sort of more locked in and, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very romanticizing the the myth-making process. Uh, But, yeah, I would, you know, you sort of want to have that, or, or, I don't know, that's my, how I'm, you know, some people might enjoy the the turns and stuff. And, you know, with the rumours of how things shifted in this film, like, like we do know the opening was completely changed. Um, with the, we were meant to have the Oracle and all that sort of stuff. It's, you know, you wonder how much was changed and if the like much of the conclusion was changed because like that, if there was a dramatically, and I I don't know if there is, um, I do love Star Wars conspiracy theories though. Happy ones. Um, not angry ones. The, although, um, I think what I perceive as happy is because the angry ones are so angry and the happy ones are actually angry, but they're just tame. So, um, Anyway, like if there was a dramatic change in the end, like someone was going to die that didn't or live that didn't, yeah, something big like that, then that would sort of be, from my point of view, disappointing as a fan because it's like, oh, that's like like a dramatic change. Like, or, or even... Like, was someone going to go bad or go good? And they just didn't do it. Or they just did. But that wasn't always the end. Like, that to me is... Like, I wish it wasn't like that because I sort of want the ending to be in the creator so, like, jarringly... Like, especially the end. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's uh, it's just what you, you hope for as a, as a, as a naive fan. But uh, thanks, Rob. Uh, Carly Taylor, more for the next act or possibly the one after. Do you think Harrison Ford was there with Adam Driver filming? Always looks just off to me. Likely for the final act, but did the Red Troopers circling the Emperor clearly different from Sith Troopers? As but are, oh, sorry, are the Red Troopers circling the Emperor clearly different from Sith Troopers? And I think there is a cape and a flatter helmet, yet we don't see them clearly. Not like Lucasfilm to pass up on a different figure. So what's up with that? I think they are. I, I, I thought they were sort of more um, like a combination of Sith Trooper and Emperor's Royal Guard. I thought they were more sort of Sith Royal Guards. Um than just your basic trooper. 
but we will review when we watch that chapter. And I don't think you're that on point anymore with not like Lucasfilm to pass up on a different figure. So what's up with that? Uh, because it's I've been looking through the, the Pablo Hidalgo, the visual dictionary, which is always fun, both for great information and just ridiculously like like whatever little points around a person. There, there was one that just delighted me and it was one of those little happy creatures on Pasana, the sort of like piggy, cute um, little creatures that gives Ray the necklace. She's got her mouth open all happy and the little arrow pointing to it is like... Um, smile emerging from jokes she's about to tell or something like that. And I was like, it's so good. I just love the mix of like super like trite, just fluffy, funny things like that. And then, you know, finding out about the Knights of Ren's battle stance and all that sort of good stuff. But yeah. So anyway, my point being, I'm looking through this book and there's just so many figures that they don't make the way that the market has shrank. Um, you know, I, I think it's a combination of action figure market has shrunk. Um, Star Wars is like merchandising wise, it has to be less popular now than it was at the force awakens. It just, it just has to be based on the amount of stock you see in stores. Um, you know, the, the, the space that stores are giving them and, and that, you know what I mean? That's, you know, whatever's, but, um, it was, it probably always was going to surge then because that was, um, how it worked out. It wasn't, like, like, Endgame was sort of like the surge for Marvel because it had been building up all that time with, like, the films were coming pretty thick and fast. But for Star Wars to, you know, pick up on the story that people have been waiting to see for 30 years after Return of the Jedi, like, that when you think about it was most likely going to be the peak because you've got the peak amount of interest in people wanting to know immediately what Han Solo is like coming back. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And I guess they could have built on the fan base, but like, and then you could think that maybe the rise of um, Skywalker would be the biggest. That would be contradicting the other two trilogies where the highest grossing is the first, the second one is third, and then the last one is second. And at the moment, this has been like a sliding scale down. And I wonder if that is because of the bump from The Force Awakens and Rogue One. But anyway, my point being about it may have been always likely that The Force Awakens was the highest grossing one. And that's because there was so much nostalgia 
in people like flocking to the cinema, there'd be a lot of different interpretations of what that nostalgia should be. Like, um, which was what happened. Do you know what I mean? Um, the first one got away with it pretty well because it was so deep on in nostalgia. But then the next one, The Rise of Skywalker, oh no, sorry, The Last Jedi, that's when it, it it sort of couldn't keep going on that heavy nostalgia trip. It had to do something else. And when it did something else, half the people loved it, half the people didn't. And I don't know if it's half and half. Um, and then definitely JJ tried to tape it all back together with like a, a lot of heavy nostalgia. Hey, I was reading this right in um, that in Pablo's book, and the Tanty Four, the the Rebel Blockade Runner, is the one that Princess Leia got captured in in A New Hope, and. It explains that it was going to get destroyed because Tarkin wanted it to look like an accident or something. Um, But then the Emperor disbanded the Senate before it did have to get destroyed. And so then the Senate was disbanded. There was no point in destroying it because they weren't going to lie about that anymore. They They didn't have to answer to anyone. Um, so then someone had it in a garage and then later on gifted it back to Princess Leia. Now, I don't know. It's, I I just wonder if that's going to bring back all memories. Um, yeah, good things didn't happen in, in that blockade runner her and her crew but yeah it's interesting how um they explained how it came back um because when i you know it was in the trailer and stuff i figured it must have been a different one because it, it it really didn't make sense how it could be in that star destroyer and then somehow get back to her so um It's lucky they didn't park it on the Death Star. It's lucky they didn't put it in there. They kept it in the Star Destroyer. Because then it would have got blown up and, and there would have been nothing to give. Ah, oh, and that would have been, like, same day, Princess Leia, like, loses a planet and a, her sweet ride, which she's um, clearly um, very emotionally attached to and happy to uh, receive it back. But I do have to admire coming up with that story to explain it. And when, like, cause it is like, it, 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 it math is like, I read it with uh, a sly grin at the cheekiness of it all, but it's very imaginative how they duck and wove. And I wonder when that got, like when that story was generated, that backstory, like, did, you know, JJ instruct the production team, you know, the pre-production team or whatever to start working on, you know, a, a Tanty 4 set or, you know, big um, on-set prop. And then after the film's done, they're like, oh, how do we explain this? Or was it in the initial script pitch that it was there and whoever had conceived that it was going to be in the scene had also conceived of the backstory, how it could be in the scene, or it was sort of given out to say Pablo Hidalgo. I I imagine how this works. I I have no idea. Um, Or no real, you know, like I could be completely wrong, but he sort of looks through the script and goes, Ooh, that's a pickle. I'll have to, uh, work out that little puzzle. And yeah, I just wonder, I, I'd love, I want a documentary about that fact. And 
Like, does does JJ Abrams know about the gifting of the Tantive Four? What do you What do you guys think about that? Does he know? Does he know about that backstory? Would someone interviewing JJ Abrams waste precious seconds asking them that for me? That'd be great. I um. I now, I wish I'd asked him that at uh, at celebration. Um, I don't know how I got off onto that conversation, but anyway. Oh, we're talking about figures. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So, um. Yeah, the line has, has has gotten so much smaller because, you know, Star Wars isn't as popular and it's more widespread, do you know what I mean? Like, you've got Lego and, and, and Funko Pops gobbling up a lot of uh, retail space and a lot of Star Wars fans' uh, cash. They really uh, hit the jackpot on that one. Um, they're taking a lot of market share as well. So the line has... has, has drastically shrunk like they do the vintage collection which is sort of like hoping to be the best ever version of each figure in the three and three quarter scale and that's sort of like a premium um i don't know if it's is it twenty dollars like i get confused because i i see the prices in australia and america um but i don't like buy them myself so i haven't i haven't felt sting to remember which price is in which country but, and they're on the sort of vintage-looking cards. and But just like in a basic kids three-and-three-quarter-inch line, no figures for this film. Um, plenty of black series. But it, it seems like, you know, they're not going that wide a berth either because I was reading the Pablo book and it got to the hermit, Lando Carizian with his helmet on and the helmet's like, it's pretty sick. Comes out, this juts out at the back and it made me flashback to Lando's skiff to size that um, he wore all around Jabba's palace. And I remember getting that figure for Christmas when I was uh, a little boy and just thinking it was so cool that um, he had this helmet he could take on and off. And no buys in the, uh, like, in e- either scales um, figure lineup. And it's just because they just don't go, that like, that wide. Like, I- I'm sure if you went through a visual dictionary of any of the George Lucas films, like, I would assume, like, actual characters with names... Like, easily more than half would have been made into figures throughout the whole book. I, I could be so off base here. But um, but I feel like I'm not. This is any named character. Um, not just, like, Imperial officers. But even, I think, all those Imperial officers at the Death Star table got made into figures in some put-together playset, which sounds awesome. Um, did I just make that up? I know they did a Jedi Council one that made a big circle which I was sort of at one time considering obtaining because I think that's a, a sick scene with little Anakin in the middle. But there is so many characters that would just make amazing figures and just silly one-off figures that, that aren't even like part of like Snaggletooth. Um you know, like Hammerhead, all those guys, they, they didn't have major parts in the film. Like, what about a figure of a removable head Jose figure? Bit harsh, sure. But um, that would be a sick figure. And it's just, you know, just the, the state of, of what kids buy in, in 2020 and, and also what, what fans buy... And bought a lot of stuff. And, like, there is talks that Hasbro... I think their license might run out at the end of the year. 
and they haven't secured the next license. And, you know, I, I wonder what would happen if um, the license got picked up by someone else. Uh, like, I, I don't, like, collect it, so I don't really have a, uh, you know, a, a stick in the fight. I, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, it would be interesting to see what another toy company's interpretation of Star Wars figures would be. Uh, I've heard some say there's a possibility or speculated that maybe they'll license out the three and three quarter inch kids directed line to another toy company. Um, I would be interested to see what, say, Super 7 came up with in that line. I, I sort of... I like all their, their retro figures. They bring up figures for, you know, Alien and, like, I don't know, Happy Days. Lots of different, um, like, bizarre... I think maybe, like, the Love Boat. Um, but just all these old licenses and stuff. And it looks pretty cool but I wonder what it would be if, if it was a Star Wars figure if I, I'd definitely be staring at it a bit harder but it would be fascinating um, to see what another company just the whole like like where they'd start with the characters what characters they'd go for what scale um, you know what packaging it would be interesting to see like the whole the whole thing sort of like burnt down and start again. But I kind of think it'll be steady as she goes. But yeah, it's kind of, it's just a bummer that um, action figures that they saw their peak and it's hard to imagine them sort of like coming back, but they, I guess, when, when would have action figures been the most popular? I feel like in the eighties because like He-Man was doing billions and that's eighties billions, man. So I wonder if that was the peak. And I guess there was less like distractions for people, for kids um, you know, for their attention. And I wonder how that would compare with maybe like the 2000s when adults were buying with kids. Probably less kids were buying, but then you had the uh, adult buying power as well. If anyone has any information on all this, uh, let me I don't know about the thing about Harrison Ford being there with Adam Driver. If anyone knows about that, let me know as well. Um, you say, Carly, that it always looks off to you. Yeah, I, I think I enjoy it too much to even... like. I sort of don't even want to think about if they're in the same set while I'm watching it to like you know, try and suss it out because I just love, I just rather sit there and just enjoy how good that scene is. Whew, so good. But if anyone knows about that, um, you know, it, it'd be really cool if there was on the Blu-ray or the download or the DVD a, you know, a little like uh, extra about Harrison Ford's return and some of his thoughts and the filming day and him interacting with um, Adam Driver, like on set again, hopefully if he was there or just interacting with J.J. Abrams or um, I don't know, maybe, maybe he filmed that scene in a cupboard under a blanket. Uh, which if you don't know, I think Adam Driver recorded some lines for the film in that circumstance and people find that distressing one because it sounds like very haphazard 
that they're doing it in a cupboard rather than in a studio? And also, was it like just redoing lines that didn't get caught properly or recording new lines that change the story? And then that... Mm, that that sort of niggles at your um the thing I was talking about before about um like that thought that the the things the storyline wasn't rock solid. All right, and we've got John Niswander asking after going to see the movie again yesterday, I think the Pasana chase sequence is giving a hug or at least a high five to the pod race. Some of those shots when they're racing through those canyon walls are really reminiscent of the pod race. And I think they've maybe have even heard a pod racer sound effect or two thrown in there at the end. I, um, first of all, to explain this giving a hug thing is some term that I used to try to convey that I, I, I thought the final film in the saga should sort of give a, a story shout out to as much of the other films as possible. Now, for instance, I thought it would have been cool to have um, the Kimonans be the uh, enslaved um, people trying to clone Snokes along with those evil Sith-looking uh, cloners. I thought that would have been a cool, just like, oh, attack the clones, sick. Um, uh, what was that thing in, like even in, um, in Mars's Castle when you had all those flags and they meant all different things? I thought that, that that's very sort of Easter eggy, but um, a, a bit sort of more in your face. Um, you know, I, I, I think the movie should have concluded, and we'll talk about this in the third act, I, I think the movie should have concluded with um, Naboo. Um, I felt like that was the, you know, the Tatooine thing like, could be part of it, but I, I felt like like if you really want to bring it back, I, I think you should bring it back to the um, the storytelling beginning rather than the release order beginning. Um. So anyway, that's what I mean about giving a hug. I think the Pasana chase was reminiscent of, and, and you know, you might be able to, you know, it's poetry, it all rhymes, all that good George Lucas stuff. I, I definitely had um, pod racing vibes too in the Pasana chase. And also the, the speeders that they're on kind of, remind me of the skiffs from Return of the Jedi. It sort of seems like one has maybe the back of the skiff and the other one has the front of the skiff and then they've designed other stuff for other parts. But there's definitely like with those sort of veins at the back and stuff, I I, I got little, um, you know, skiff vibes as well. So I definitely think, uh, yeah, there is a uh, a bit of a, a visual cue from the pod race, uh, perhaps... But, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they were like, hey, let's go for some, uh, like, a pod race vibe in here. But I don't think that's a hug because it's more of a um, a vibe. You're getting a vibe of The Phantom Menace rather than a storytelling um, sort of nod or hug. <laughs> that's why I use that to that. And that's why, like, even, like, even at the end when they're all... Um, even if they didn't have a final scene on Naboo, which I will talk about in the third act. I've, I've got this very elaborate close. I, I, I think it's beautiful. But even, like, they've got the Star Destroyer getting um, destroyed above Cloud City. Like, why not have Naboo? And I know in the comics there was Project Cinder and, and, and Naboo got a little bit a little bit messed up. But it's um, it's been 20, 30 years the Nabooians would have rebelt and um, maybe they could have incorporated some Gungan technology in their buildings to uh, protect them, perhaps. It'd be nice to see them in big bubbles. Um, that would be cool. 
Or they could turn off their bubbles. Ah, the bubble could evaporate while um, the Star Destroyer is getting blown up. They're, they're safe now. They don't need to use their giant Gungan bubble. Um, yeah, but I sort of, I don't rate that as a hug because it's it's more just, um, you know, like a reminiscent shot sort of thing. Um, you know, like, I think, like, when they get chased out of the ice cave city in the Falcon, like, I think that it reminds me of Return of the Jedi and flying around um, the Death Star, but it's not sort of like a, a reference. It's more of just a, hey, hey, hey. So that was our last question on the first act, but when we post up the uh, second part of that, feel free to write a question and we'll go through all those again. That is super fun. I uh, I love the Q&As because it, it gets my... Star Wars mind are working. And we also have a bunch of questions off the last Q&A, which I think I will do tomorrow. And that will be back to a Patreon bonus, a Patreon exclusive. So if you want to follow along with all the bonus content, you get an RSS feed that loads up in your phone like any other podcast downloads automatically it's super sweet uh it's just three dollars a month at patreon.com forward slash steel wars um there's a new robo report there's a couple of new star wars you buy podcasts in the last month me and halls going through star wars history the best love Tolkien star wars with him with a the tangents, if you think we're staying in 1978 and Star Wars, think again. And yeah, the Roro reports we've been doing, um, there's some of them on, I think there's one on the main feed. The rest have been patron exclusive is we're doing commentaries, just fan commentaries while we watch the Mandalorian episode. So if you've watched it 27 times, here's a, uh, a new way to enjoy it. And thanks so much for all your support. If um, you want to check it out, it's just $3 a month. And if that's not your thing, just give us a, a follow on Twitter and a, a, a retweet now and then. Help spread the word. That uh, really helps the, uh, the podcast or get on iTunes and write a sweet five-star review. Thank you guys so much for listening. So appreciate it. And may that force be with you. Ben Mendelssohn, right? Yeah. (laughs) I'm just confirming. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.